Hello, and welcome to Socialism, the weekly Marxist analysis podcast from the Socialist Party. Bosses at the Ford Motor Company tried to close the engine factory at Bridgend in South Wales. Hundreds of workers could lose their well-paid, skilled jobs, and thousands more workers in the supply chain could be affected. The closure threat follows a series of high-profile crises in industry and retail, and Ford's own record of whittling down its workforce in Britain. This episode, we ask what kind of action is necessary to save the jobs, and how could socialist policies tackle the cause of this raft of closures? Thanks very much for that, Scott. Today we're going to be discussing with Rob Williams, who is the chair of the National Shop Stewards Network, which is an organisation set up to coordinate the struggles of rank-and-file trade union activists back in 2006 by the RMT. Rob will be speaking to us today in a personal capacity about the situation at Ford Bridgend in South Wales, where hundreds of jobs are threatened because of the closure of the plant being put forward by the management there. So first of all, Rob, I think you should maybe tell us a little bit about what's happening at Fort Bridgen. Explain the situation. Well, basically, 1,700 jobs are affected directly. The workers have been told that the plant is going to close. And obviously, that is a massive shock to those workers. In Mm. South Wales, that plant is what you'd call a blue-chip employer, really, in the sense that those workers are on nationally agreed terms and conditions. They're very well-paid jobs in a, in a Welsh context. Mm-hmm. But also, there are many, many other workers who will be affected, those who work in the supply chain, but of course others who, you know, in communities across South Wales will be affected. So, you know, this is a catastrophe, really, for the Welsh economy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you think about the deindustrialization that has taken place in South Wales over the whole period, then... It's vital, really, that you know we fight disclosure. We support the Ford workers. That's really what we've been about. We organised a solidarity meeting in Bridgend on Monday night, which was very well attended. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were Ford workers there as well, and you know what we're about at the moment is is supporting those workers, trying to give them the confidence that the whole labour and trade union movement is behind them, and hopefully give them the confidence that it's possible to fight and it's possible to win a victory year and keep the plant open. So you mentioned the Solidarity Meeting on Monday the 24th of June, which was hosted by the National Shop Stewards Network, the NSSN, which I understand workers from the plant came to, took part in. So what was the feeling at that meeting among the workers? Well, I think as far as the workers are concerned, then clearly there's a very good message that's been sent by the fact that at the end of last week there were plant meetings conducted by the union and over 80% of workers indicated they were prepared to uh, fight the closure. And very I think good. that's a very important first step. However, I think action needs to be taken now. And what I mean by that is, as an ex-Ford worker, mm. I know as well that Ford like to throw money at a problem. And that's certainly the case now. They're coming up with what they think is a very good redundancy agreement. Mm-hmm. But of course, our position is, is that the best redundancy agreement is not as good as a job. Yeah. And once those jobs go, they go uh, for good. So, however, of course, if workers think there's a realistic strategy and uh, an opportunity to fight to save the plant, then I think they will fight. The problem is if that if they don't think that is possible, then, of course, they could reluctantly accept the redundancy deal. And really, that's where things are at the moment. So I think the feeling amongst the workers were... They want to fight for their jobs. They want to fight to save the plant. But clearly, they 
also on a fighting strategy that can give them confidence that it's possible to uh, win as well. Well, that makes sense, and we'll ask something a little bit more about that in a moment. But just to comment on this point that you raised, of course, that I suppose you know a lot of these workers because you yourself used to be a trade union convener at another Ford parts plant. Isn't that right? Yeah, in Swansea, yeah. And you have some experience then in, in fighting the Ford management on projects like this? Well, there, there will be people in that plant today who have, you know, this isn't the first time they faced a closure. Mm-hmm. There will be workers from Swansea because in 2000, Ford spun off, created a company really called Vistian. And in 2009, Vistian went into administration. There was an heroic struggle by workers in Vistian plants yeah. to win a redundancy because we were facing statutory redundancy 10 years ago. It should have been no money at all. Well, it would have been about £10,000, I think, at the time. For years and years of service. Uh, exactly. Uh, and being a ex-Vistian worker, mm-hmm. then my pension, like theirs, is in the Pension Protection Fund, which means we have reduced retirement benefits. But we then conducted a five-year campaign against Ford because Ford made us a promise that when we were spun off, we would have what they called Ford mirrored terms and conditions you know, for the rest of our lives. Sure. Well, of course, as far as we're concerned, that meant pensions as well. And he certainly, to us, gave us that promise and that guarantee. But that struggle, heroic struggle really, by Vistian pensioners and workers, resulted in us winning about 28 million quid off Ford to supplement our pension in the Pension Protection Fund. I think what's important to, to know about what happened 10 years ago is that that was a period of struggle, really, because the early part of that year, the Lindsay Oil Refinery construction workers took, you know, took unofficial national action against the race to the bottom. Mm-hmm. We had the Vistian workers took action, including occupations. Yeah. And I myself, because our plant had been sold off about a year or so earlier, I worked for a company called uh, Linema, and I was sacked by that company. And my and why was that? That was, well, really, just doing my job, really, as a union uh, convener. It was blatantly anti-union. But what was great was is that through a re- massive fight, really, centrally by my members who were prepared to take stri- indefinite strike action yeah. and also a fantastic national and international solidarity campaign, I was able to win my uh, reinstatement. But what's interesting is, is that later on that year, there were workers who weren't really in the union as such, you know, perhaps only just a handful of them. Mm-hmm. They worked in the Vesta's wind turbine plant in the Isle of Wight. Yeah. And when the company looked, uh, went to close that plant, some of them occupied the plant. And the point they're making is, would they have thought about that action if we didn't have the actions early in the year, particularly occupations by Vistian uh, workers? You know, it just shows, I think, at the moment that I think that what we have at the moment is a certain rise in struggle, localised struggle in, in the UK, of course, a big obstacle at the moment is the anti-union laws, the Trade Union Act, which means that 50% of workers at least have to vote in industrial action ballot. Sure, which of course wouldn't apply, would it, in elections to councils or to parliament? Well, the European parliamentary election, I think the turnout was 37%, so there would be no European parliamentary member. The point is, is that despite that, we are seeing a, a wave of localised, admittedly, but a wave of, uh, of, uh, of action... But perhaps what we do we don't have in people's memory is an example where workers have fought to save a plant. 
And of course, that's extremely difficult to try and force a multinational company, which is governed above all by profit, mm. not to close a plant. And I don't think that can be done by just convincing them or appealing to their best interests. Mm-hmm. In reality, that has to be fought in a militant manner, both industrially and politically. But also, in my opinion, it has to also be directed at the political parties, the government course we've got a we've got a Labour government in Cardiff in the Welsh Assembly and of course the Westminster government with a weak Tory government so that's the only way let's be blunt about it that we can keep that plant open is through militant action. So I suppose that leads on to the question about what we think needs to happen to save these jobs to save the plant what kind of policies need to be put in place and maybe you could talk a bit about what the union is calling for. I believe it's Unite the Union which organises there, and if there are any further measures that the union might want to consider. Well, I think it's Unite the Union and, and, and also GMB, and as I've said, they've taken a very important first step, mm-hmm. and that is they've had plant meetings. The, meet, the meetings have voted overwhelmingly, 80% plus, to fight that. But what needs to happen now is to turn that into action. Mm-hmm. And I think that really means... Going to the other plants in the Ford UK, there's, I think, four or five other, I think it's five other locations, but it means going to those other locations, saying to them, look, Progen is prepared to fight, support us, let's have a national strike ballot. Sure. Because, you know, if Progen closes, it's going to make it easier to close the other plants. I mean, yeah. in 2000, there were 50,000 workers in Ford UK that are now under 10,000 if this plant closes. If we could have national a national strike ballot... That would immediately give workers in Bridgend confidence, but it would also then send a signal to Ford, look, this is a this is a real fight now. And in fact, you look broader, it's been announced today, I think the twelve thousand jobs in Ford of Europe are being targeted. Really? Uh, with plant closures in other countries in Europe. So who's to say you couldn't have a Europe wide fight against Ford? So you have to start there and that will send a signal to Ford and that will build the confidence because the lesson of what's happened in Bridgend over the last couple of years is that if you threaten action, you've got to be prepared to take it. But 18 months or two years ago, when the unions first found out the sourcing plans, yeah, then they won an industrial action ballot. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, in my opinion, they didn't go ahead in taking action, even if the action would be of a limited character at that stage. Just a far a warning shot. Yeah, because the dangers are that Ford can draw the conclusion that you know, they can see out threats, if you like. It's important to deliver on them. Now, don't get me wrong, the fact that the redundancy deals are significant, Ford are doing that because they want to avert the danger of action. Sure thing. When they announced the closure in Bridgend, they sent the workforce home for a couple of days. That's not accidental. Mm. They were frightened the workers would take things at their own hands, in my opinion. And so they didn't want them together where they could organise and discuss. Exactly, and they didn't want to take action. So... Industrially, I think that's a key aspect. And the other thing I would say, though, that the unions have to make it clear to Ford management that while this is on at the minute, then it won't be tolerated if management tried to lift machinery out of the plant. That while this is in dispute, while this is not resolved, then no machinery will be allowed to take out out of the plant. Again, that would be sort of a clear indication that closure is... Yes, exactly. And, and, in, and management in reality would be using that to condition the membership. There's no point fighting, there's nothing here, you can have an empty building. So 
again, it's sending a signal to management. We're not going to play by your rules. These mm. are our rules. And the most important rule we have in the locker is that this plant must survive. This this is an emergency situation. The plant must survive. So too the jobs in the community uh, behind it. And of course, the management clearly has indicated, board has indicated that it has form on all these issues, like you said, with the previous attacks on Blissing and Lenimar. And of course, we would make the point that the worker struggle, which won the £20 million back in the pension fund there, indicates that they can't have it all their own way if the trade unions are willing to fight on that. But I think a lot of people will be asking, is there anything that the government could do in this situation? You know, we've been quite clear, I think, is that it's a dual strategy here. Mm. alongside the industrial action programme that's required, we also have to be clear that we also have to put demands on the governments. Sure. And that is that if necessary, these plants should be taken into public ownership, they should be nationalised. And of course, how do we put pressure on the Tory government to do that? Again, a weak and divided Tory government that basically doesn't really have a Prime Minister at the moment. Imagine if the Welsh Assembly government said... We are not prepared to allow this plant to close. The Welsh Assembly Government, a couple of years ago, nationalised Cardiff Airport mm-hmm. to the tune and the tune of fifty million quid. Even if the government, the Welsh Assembly Government, made that clear that they were going to do that, that would put enormous pressure on the Tory government. Of course, the other factor is we have Jeremy Corbyn as Labour leader. If Jeremy Corbyn publicly said to the Tories that if he is Prime Minister. Before the plant closes, he will take that plant into public ownership. And then what I would do then, that would allow you then to maintain people's jobs and pay in terms of conditions and pensions. And if necessary, that would be the basis to retool the plant yeah. for, even if necessary, different production, mm. etc. But it would be a national resource. Similarly, three years ago, the NSSN organised a protest in Patalbot when the steelworks were being threatened. Yeah. We called for that to be nationalised. Lo and behold... Even David Cameron accepted that it might have to be temporarily nationalised. And so that was uh, the Tory Prime Minister at the time accepting public ownership as a possibility. And that was because of the pressure of the situation. And similarly now, then it was the referendum, now it's the Brexit crisis. The fact is that there is a huge political pressure on the government and that has to be mobilised. We have to put demands on them through the Labour and Trade Union uh, movement at this time. And even today... You know, you look at the news this morning, there's a debate out there about nationalisation, about energy, about mm. uh, transport, etc. The idea that this is a far-fetched idea, and of course there are precedents. In 1971, Tory government under Edward Heath nationalised Rolls-Royce. Yeah. A few months later, when workers, particularly in Scotland, in Glasgow, and the Upper Clydeside shipyards, they were prepared to take militant action, they had a working They call a demonstration of 80,000 workers and they forced Heath to come in with state aid, state intervention to maintain those those real industrial units. And and that's what's paused now. We have to make it quite clear. We're in a situation where 4,000 steel workers in Scunthorpe are working for a company that's gone insolvent. And by Mm. the way, they could end up like the Vistian workers with the threat of statutory redundancy. We have 3,500 workers in Honda, in Swindon, Facing closure, and let's not forget, in manufacturing, behind every single one of those jobs is another five, ten jobs that are dependent on them. You know, we have to take, we have to make it clear we are not prepared to accept these closures. But you have to tell workers the truth. You have to tell them what is necessary to save those plants and fight for it. 
Now, you've raised the wider picture of other closures happening right now. You've mentioned the steel plant in Scunthorpe. There's, of course, the Honda plant in Swindon. There's a whole, an almost endless chain of collapses on the high street. Just recently, the Bath store, with 168 locations, hundreds of jobs, has gone into administration. So with all of these closures happening, I think a lot of people will be asking, well, what can we do about this? Is there an alternative system which could defend these jobs, which could actually produce something useful from them? What are we putting forward there? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think the thing is, is that, you know, it is the responsibility of the Labour and Trade Union movement to put forward a coherent alternative because at the end of the day, what we can't do is appeal to the better nature of the capitalists. The capitalists are showing us right before our very eyes, they don't have a kinder, nicer side to them. They're governed, ultimately, by profits, and they're prepared to wreck communities. You look at South Wales, you know, we have had, since the rundown of the mining industry, we've had waves of, quote, new industries, you know, whether it be plants like the Ford plant, electronics, etc. And they've stayed as long as the the government subsist, you know, uh, subsidies have lasted in some occasions, yeah, and then disappeared. The problem is we can't trust these multinational companies to put the common interest above their own narrow interests. I'm a socialist. I believe in a socialist alternative. But what is a socialist alternative? You know, it sounds very dramatic when you pose it like that. But what are we really talking about? What we're talking about is is taking the basic levers of the economy into public ownership out of the hands of the of the capitalist owners who are only interested in the short term to nationalise industries, transport, energy and then to have, on the basis of that, to have a plan of production for the first time ever to actually look at the needs of society. And if someone says, well, there's an engine plant in Bridgend that's making petrol engines that no one wants, that that type of industry is bad for the environment, etc. Well, what you don't do is what they want to do is, is economic vandalism, is mm. rip it up, rip it out, get rid of it. Lose all the skills in the plant Exactly. Well. So what type of society could then look at it afresh, look at what marry the productive capacity with the needs of society? Capitalism is incapable of doing that. It's utterly incapable it's only a socialist society based on that public ownership. And of course, if you go to workers in the abstract and raise these issues, then it can appear far-fetched. But when you argue it in, in the real, ter- real issues that face them and make it clear about a different type of society in terms of jobs, housing, health service, education, etc., but based on how you defend those jobs, save communities... I'm sure and I'm confident it, it can appear as the most rational alternative, uh, rational way of doing things out there. But of course, it's still a leap of imagination that workers you know, need in a way. So therefore, we have to put it over in the way that we are to show that it's essential to protect workers' futures for their communities and their families. Mm. That's the, the job at hand. Now, of course, what I'm saying here is we want to fight tooth and nail to save every job, every plant that's out there. Yeah. And if that means that we force under pressure for to continue up again, great. We want those jobs to continue. However, what we are saying is, is that the rule of multinational companies like Ford and you know the retail giants and other companies, the likes of those who own uh, British Steel, the reality is, is that as long as society is in the hands, the private hands of those employers, mm. then the future of workers is always going to be at risk. 
So we're not simply talking about public ownership, which of course would save the jobs. We're also talking about worker control, aren't we, of working class people, people in the plants, people in the local communities having control rather than the capitalist directors or government appointed bureaucrats being in control. But the working class itself takes control over how things are run in the plants. Yeah, that's right. A well organised trade union. It's not just about you know winning a dispute, which we're we after, mm. but we have to look for you know for an alternative way of running manufacturing, running running industry, and actually running society. Mm. And you know we're talking about really workers' democratic control over workplace conditions, for fighting. But we say a socialist government acting in the interest of the workers and the broader working class, mm-hmm. and actually the majority in society can take that further. So we call for industry to be nationalised, but also the banks, the major multinational companies that dominate the economy. And then in the workplace themselves, what would that mean? What type of situation could you have? Well, I worked in industry. Mm-hmm. I know the workers have a huge amount of expertise. And of course, workers are all level from the shop floor through to the engineering, etc., Huge understanding of the way industry works. When we talk about workers' control and management, for me it means you could have a committees in the in the factory itself that is elected, mm-hmm. you know, from the shop floor. Yes, taking advantage of specialist knowledge as well, but elected from the shop floor, and then wider than that, then with representatives of the wider working class, people who actually use the product as well and representatives from a socialist government. When you talk about workers' control management, it might seem abstract, but actually if you think about the way the workplace works Mm. and how much the bosses themselves rely on that knowledge and expertise, well, wouldn't Mm -hmm. it be great if that knowledge and expertise was used for the interests of the workers in the plant, but the broader society as well? And that kind of socialist model of nationalisation, of democratic workers' control and management of publicly owned industry, that's the sort of thing which Jeremy Corbyn and John McDonald should be pushing for as well, do you think? Absolutely. You know, I think if you were to ask John McDonald, for instance, you know, if you were to say to John McDonald, is he a socialist? He would say, of course I am. Mm. But in reality, I think he really means, and he might even admit this, he wants a kinder, fairer type of capitalism. Sure. I don't think that's possible. We fight every day for the reality that we face. We fight the reality that we face. We fight, you know, we face up to what is. But of course, we also have to sketch out and explain a different type of society. And for me, that is a socialist society to replace capitalism. We're not dreamers. Yeah. We want to fight for improvements within capitalism, obviously. uh, Every pound extra, every minute of the day, anything that can alleviate the situation the workers face. But of course, look at the week we're in at the moment where we have record temperatures in Europe. You know, mm-hmm. it's clear that the economic situation, the social situation, climate change, people are not stupid. They realise there's something fundamentally wrong with the way things are at the moment. To correct that, to change that, we need fundamental change in society. And we have to be unapologetic in explaining that as to be a socialist change. But then we have to explain that in a concrete form and actually in a form that people can understand. Mm. The major economic levers in society, they're not some mythical organ, you know, they exist. But how can they be controlled and managed by the majority in society? And the fact is, what happens now in any factory, any workplace, 
is that you have a distant management, mm. distant employers that rule through a management in the company. Wouldn't it be better to do it fundamentally different? In South Wales, like a lot of other mining areas, workers had experience of... I mean, they thought after the war that socialism had arrived. Sure. That you had the National Health Service, which, of course, the figurehead behind that, really, uh, the politician behind that was an Iron Bevan from the South Wales Valleys. But also, in terms of the coal industry, the mining unions had it inscribed on their banner for decades about the need to take the coal industry into public ownership to sure. nationalise it. But... The form of nationalisation that was used meant that the coal industry was like an island of socialism within capitalism. And it was very much, first of all, you had an astronomical compensation of the mine owners, mm. many of whom ended up as managers in the coal industry. And you're right, it still ended up as a state-owned capitalist company in reality. Yeah, And that showed that it wasn't possible to do that. That, I think, has been described almost at a quarter of a revolution in Britain after the war. But as long as the main levers are in the hands of the capitalists, they bided their time, waited for things to turn in their direction, and then, of course, they've ruthlessly, over the last few decades, ruthlessly tried to turn the clock back in terms of privatisation and, of course, the latest instalment of the austerity offensive. So, you're right, we don't want islands of socialism in capitalism. We want... Because they won't survive. No, we want uh, a socialist society based on nationalised industry of workers' control and management, the workers with their expertise and knowledge, workers' control and management as part of a plan of production for the benefit of all in society. And you've mentioned the ruinous effect which these closures could have on local communities. So how is the situation, the crisis at Bridge End viewed in the wider population there? Well, I think there's been fantastic support. You know, uh, we've been out there campaigning and there's been tremendous support for the plant. I mean... I think people realise, you know, that South Wales, many of these workers will live in run-down communities of unemployment, etc. Those, Mm -hmm. like I say, those jobs are seen as very good jobs. But really, we want a society where those jobs are the norm and not the exception. Of course, those jobs will disappear should the plant close. So there's anger there, and I'm confident that if the unions called a demonstration in Bridgend or somewhere in South Wales there would be a huge response. There's a sense, I think, in South Wales of we are losing something fundamental here. So that's the importance of it, really. So you've touched on this point already, but this is taking place, this struggle, at the same time that young people across Britain and across the world are taking action against climate change. And as you've mentioned, clearly motor vehicles are one of the sources of pollution. Can these issues about saving the jobs and fighting climate change be brought together? Yeah, absolutely. They are not mutually exclusive. The challenge, I think, for both the trade union, the Labour and Trade Union movement and young people fighting climate change is don't let the capitalists and their representatives divide us because mm-hmm. they will. The fact is the people who are responsible for climate change are the multinational companies that put profit first. It is possible to have productive, efficient manufacturing industry producing things that allow people to have a decent life but also don't threaten the environment but of course what's essential for that is is that we take those industrial units into public ownership it's not possible to force the capitalists to become uh, cleaner yeah if any their bottom line it is and if necessary they'll go to a different country with minimal regulations to yeah. do that less trade union organizing. type of exactly so now of course workers will say 
well, hang on, my, my job is here, that's the one thing I've got guaranteed, and therefore, how do you deal with those fears? You have to say, look, our position is, we want to take you into public ownership, out of the hands of the multinationals, we guarantee your job, we guarantee your income and pension, but then we want to look at, if that work threatens the environment, well, let's have a proper, rational discussion involving the workforce, the community, etc. What other work, if you like, can be done? What other products can be made that actually enhance, that don't threaten the environment? And one example, of course, in a different context was the workers in Lucas in the 1970s who yeah. were, I think, making defence products, but, yeah, we'd been, company, that's but right. we'd been threatened at the time with closure, etc. And of course, the shop stewards put forward a plan called the Lucas Plan that looked at making products for the common good, if you like. Yeah. And like it showed that it's possible. Exactly. And, kind of and it showed that it's possible. You know, we know that we need things out there that benefit uh, people, renewable industries, uh, electric cars, all the rest of it. But I, I think it's only that type of socialist approach which will uh, work. And of course, linking up struggles within the trade union movement is what the National Shop Steward Network exists to do, isn't it? And you've got a, a conference of the NSSN coming up on the 6th of July. Isn't yeah, it? Saturday 6th of July in Conway Hall in London. It's there for everyone, really. If you're angry about what's happening in society, if you want to get rid of all the Tories, now the mayor's gone, you know, whether I'll be Boris Johnson or Jer- you know, Boris Johnson trying to divide workers at the moment, but is a charlatan, is the establishment's anti-established establishment representative. <laughs> we got Jeremy Hunt, who has taken on the NHS, has tried to ruin and privatise the NHS. Yeah. So we want neither of them. We want a totally different government. If you want to join us in that fight to get rid of the Tories, great. If you're involved in an industrial dispute or want to know about the disputes that are going on, want to build solidarity, ask for solidarity, come to this conference where you can learn from other reps who are doing exactly the same thing as you. And if you're a young person, perhaps don't even know what a trade union is at the moment, come along, take part in the conference. If you want to talk about how we stop climate change, but also the role of organised working class can play in that. The organised working class is the is the most potentially strongest force in society that doesn't just fight for terms and conditions, doesn't just fight for pensions, but properly mobilised the correct ideas can also fight for a different type of society. So, But that conference is on. It's only £6 to come to that conference. Come along. It's a, it's a fantastic event. And so that will be under the headlines of kick out the Tory government, fight for higher pay and defend all the jobs, stop the job cuts and closures. Absolutely. Rob, thanks very much. Now here's Scott with some of the details of that conference. Thanks, James. The 2019 conference of the National Shop Stewards Network is open to all trade unionists and anti-cuts activists. It takes place on Saturday the 6th of July from 11am to 4.30pm at Conway Hall, 25 Red Lion Square, London, WC1R4RL. Registration is £6. You can pay on the day or make a checkout to National Shop Stews Network and post it to NSSN, PO Box 54498, London E109DE. Trade union branches can also delegate members to vote on motions and for the National Steering Committee. You can register in advance by emailing info at shopstewards.net or on the day. And for all the latest trade union news, sign up to the NSSM bulletin at shopstewards.net. Socialism is produced by the Socialist Party. You can find out more about joining the fight back at socialistparty.org.uk. This week we heard from Rob Williams speaking to James Ivans and I'm Scott Jones. Till next time, solidarity. <laughs>